Recording is starting and intro music is starting in 5, 4, 3, three two. 2. Oh. Oh, shit. It's... Man crush. And we are back for episode 27 of Man Crush Monday's podcast. Um, Told you guys we was going to be more consistent than we have been. And we haven't hit the nail on the head with the every two-week mark, but this is the second one in a month in like almost a year, fam. That's big talk. So without further ado, I think we should introduce ourselves. We have a very special guest today. Um, I am from the other side of the Grand Concourse in the Bronx. I'm African as Jalof eating ass, Awawa as Joe. What? Oh my God! Wow! That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to my player partner to the right of me. Yeah, you got a, a Bronx Jamaican Carl. <laughs> Yaga yao. Yaga yao. And now for our um, esteemed special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Do I get gunshots, though? No gunshots. No gunshots. You get get a harp. (laughs) So angelic. Don't flatter me, thanks. Don't you agree? This is Haitian ass, Jersey ass, Alicia P from Black Girl Podcast. From where? Black Girl Pod. Oh, she's a black girl with a podcast. <laughs> well, welcome aboard. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. Mm. I am. We are happy to have you. Right. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Um, Let's get it. We didn't come at you with the New Year, New Me shit. Um, that's not ever something that we really do. So, um, what we're doing now is we are going to... Just focus on the things of importance in the year 2019 and every year moving forward. With that being said, this week's episode, we're going to focus on getting out your own way Oh man! and getting into your bag. Come on now. Yes, sir. I'm going to say it one more time for the church. I was just about to say. <laughs> one more time for the church. Hallelujah. Getting out of your own way and getting into your bag. <laughs> the church said one more church say amen all right sound effects thank you thank you you're welcome all right so pretty much what that means um is that we're going to focus this episode on obstacles that we've either placed in front of ourselves or allowed to live in our life that blocked our bags our bigger blessings and we're going to speak on how we've gotten rid of them and or if we haven't gotten rid of them we're going to hold one another accountable and we would love to hear you guys' feedback on that. So I'm just letting you know from the beginning of the episode, if you're listening and you've had an obstacle in your past, feel free to chime in. We're there on Instagram, on the Twitters. We there. But since we're gentlemen, um, we might as well let Miss Alicia P start. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, She's just going to throw me mm-hmm. into the fire like so. You like my Jamaican uh, my Jamaican accent? Um, That's crazy. That's cool. So when you're throwing me into this fire, what what am I actually just jumping into here? So I want you to explain to us or speak on an obstacle that you faced that has been holding you back. 
Um, most people don't know this about you, but you are a creative superstar. What? Superstar? A creative superstar. I've known Alicia <laughs> from back in the days when she only used to use ponytail holders at Hot 97. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. I looked a mess at work. I didn't say that you looked a mess. You're taking the I, I don't know what that means. twisting it. Anything that just means that I what only What I'm saying is, is that she was so focused on her creative that I looked pursuit the best at work. <laughs> that she just threw the ponytail, the hand of ponytail, That's and fair. get that to work. That is actually very true. She though. used to be the only girl in the building <laughs> that I saw running around with a camera everywhere she went. So Yes, this is true. I can't even lie. Um, Alicia Pete, you are a creative genius. Genius? These I'm are very, very huge words you're using here to describe me. They're, they're more than very huge words. Flattered. They're affirmations. Thank, thank you. You know, speaking of positivity that. into your life. I'll take that. Thank you. But, um, yeah, you're a great creative. And um, personally, I know that you've stood in your way um, over the course of a couple years, mm -hmm. um, either allowing work situations to hinder you. Yes. Or allowing your own fears or, or fears of inadequacy mm -hmm. um, to, to prevent you from, you know, pulling out the gun and just taking your shot. Yes. So let's talk about that. Literally. Um, <clears throat> so, so your your first initial question was w pretty much was what what gets in your way, and I think you're right. It is fear. I know you're right, actually. Um, on my podcast, I'm always talking to our listeners as if I'm always, you know, preaching to them, but I'm usually just also talking myself about just fucking fear. Fuck fear. Like, forget it. Like, fear is just an illusion of of things that we think we cannot do when, in fact, that's incorrect. We're literally capable of anything if we really put our minds to it. Um, but I wasn't always like this. I When I lost my father in 2006. God bless him. Yes, thank you. Um, it took me five years to get my life together. And... After that five years, I was on a hell of a roller coaster ride that only shot straight up, though. You know how when you're on the roller coaster, it's like up, 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 and you finally get to the top and you see the view and you're like, wow, this is lit. I, I did such an amazing job with, you know, just staying focused and determined, which got me to the places that I, you know, have been able to be super grateful for today, but then... After feeling like I reached that high, I pl like I plummeted, and I don't know why. And I think it's because I get stuck sometimes. I get stuck. I think things like I think about things too much. I worry a lot, and I don't necessarily believe that my talent are all the things that you just said earlier. So it keeps me and hinders me from making more content producing things that I know that I've wanted to do um, because I'm fearful that my peers are going to be like, that's trash, or people watching are going to be like, that's corny. Now i got to interrupt real quick. All right? yes. I'm working on not interrupting as much. No, that's fine. Um, as am I. What I want to know is what gives you the impression that you're not going to excel and succeed? Like with, with people like Carl, myself, your BGP, um, pod, your Black Girl Podcast family, mm -hmm. and um, all the available resources that you have and know in your life, what would give you the impression that you would put it out into the universe like, yo, I want to produce ABC, 
And every would everybody wouldn't be like, all right, how can I help? You know what's crazy? I don't even. I know that people would help. Part of my problem is one, I don't think I want the help, even though I know I need it. Because you, anything great isn't made alone, and I know that. But I feel like I have something to prove to myself that I can do it by myself, which is not the smart way to go. Like I have, I have like an angel and a devil on what each shoulder. Right. And I know the things that I need to do, but then I kind of fight myself against that, which is insane. Like I go back and forth all the time. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Off the top of your head, just yes. a guesstimate. How many people? No. How much do you estimate or guesstimate a successful director or producer makes in our industry today? Jesus. A director, a film director. Yeah, that, that yes. depends on what, what level of director you're talking about. We we gonna go we gonna go mid level. We you <laughs> know we know your capabilities. We know what you po- was capable or possible. But I think they're making. Yeah, guesstimate. In the mid ranges of um, six figures, somewhere in there. Right, six figures. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say we won't we won't speak on where you work now, but let's say you took the leap of faith. And you went ahead and produced and directed some amazing ass content. Okay. Where you worked, or Vice, or MTV. Okay. Or Viacom, somewhere big, sees your work and they go, bruh, <laughs> we need to get her In over here. here and we need to throw a bag at her. Would that would that not be an amazing thing? No, absolutely it will. So you saying you you don't want the help. Because you know that you can do it by yourself. No, I is don't know. Is the same thing as saying, uh, or is the same thing as a kid saying, "Yo, you know what? I see somebody on a bike, and <laughs> I know I could ride that. I know I could get on a bike without the training wheels. I can do it." Right. You want to scrape your knee. You you're more than welcome to scrape your knee. But if you allow yourself to just avoid the bike overall because of fear of scraping your knee. Or you don't want to try it with the hand with the training wheels, which is your support system and your and your resources. What are we doing? I know, and these are all things that I know. Like I truly know that I can be doing so much more. I was actually talking to Carl earlier in regards to feeling like I need to be doing more. I have, I literally have like six different concepts for documentaries and shows and stuff like that that I want to produce that have been in my brain for the last like seven years that are still in my brain or in my notes on my iPhone, which is terrible. Well, I mean, the the question you really have to ask yourself is why do you feel a need to prove to yourself that you can do everything by yourself? Cause that, that usually is some other reason than, actually fulfilling the task it's rare that it's actually about fulfilling the task by yourself it's other things whether it's a lot of time parents um could be friends or what have you but you just i'm just curious what it is that makes you feel that you have to do everything by yourself and i'm saying it as somebody guilty of it and having to overcome a lot of that right um asking for help and different things like that so that's a fact what your your particular um struggle is is what i'm asking what do you think that is i mean i think that 
so kind of using your same analogy, Joe, of the bike, I feel like if I don't fall, scrape my knee, build the bike myself, then I'm not actually putting in the work, right? So it's easy to be like the bike was handed to me perfectly and someone guided me through the path. So I felt, I feel like I'm taking the easy way out, the, the easy way out doing it that way, as opposed to falling off the bike, hurting my knee, getting back up, going on, doing it myself and figuring it out. But I know it's my, my brain is insane. I know that in order to create greatness, you should have other creatives and other people around you who truly believe in you, who you truly believe in as well to create beautiful content or beautiful, anything, whatever that realm of work you're in. I know that. So I'm not going to tell you that it's impossible for you to just get up one day and be like, all right, fuck it. Feature length documentary. I never do this before. Right. Boom. It's not impossible because when you look at the situation for what it's worth, both Carl and I at some point just picked up a camera and was like, yo, I'm going to figure this shit out. Like, and I admire people like y'all, by the way. I think right. So that's, that's amazing. We're coming from the very same cloth that you feel you are made of and you would like to see like yourself work through that path. But what I will tell you is, is that what, just like maybe two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I just shot my very first beauty campaign for a hair company. I picked up my first camera as an adult in 2008. That was 11 years ago. When I picked that camera up, I literally did not know how to fucking like pull out the memory, put the memory card in. Right. So now for me to go 11 years later, y'all just shot my first beauty campaign. I'm so fucking hyped. Meanwhile, if I wasn't such a proud nigga or if I had more like valuable resources in the earlier stages of me learning the photography game, Mm -hmm. this could have came seven years ago. Right. Right. So it's it's like, yes, you could be Shonda Rhimes or whoever else it might have been that started after 40 or. You could take the help. Facts. Start in your early thirties, late twenties, and let's let's go build. So now that we've uh, identified the way you're standing in your way, what do you think is going to be a reasonable solution to to getting yourself out of your way? How can we help you get to that bag? Who child? That's a question. Load it. Yeah. It's loaded. I just I told you that I don't. I don't necessarily know if I have the, I don't know the answer to that. Cause I feel like if I knew the answer to that, we wouldn't even, be, you wouldn't even be having this conversation with me. I, um, I need to just do it literally. Like, hold on, hold on say that one more time. I need to just do it. Oh my God. Wow. I figured it out. Huh? She sounds like she got it. y'all. <laughs> it sounds like she got it. You're so annoying for that. I know. But yes, um, I think I just need to do it and I need to ask for help. I need to sit in room with other, sit in rooms with other creatives. I need to continue to learn. I need to get back into classes. Um, I need to just shoot something, period, whatever it looks like, even if I hate it. Um, I need to stop holding on to my camera that I haven't used that I bought four years ago. I need to get rid of it, buy another one, use the one that I want to shoot on, like... There's so many um, 
There's so many things that I know that I have to do that I just have to do it to get started. Asking for help, reaching out to you. Hey, how do I do this? Carl, hey, how do I do this in post? Um, it's just a matter of being very aware of the things that I keep holding myself back with, which I think I'm very aware of, and just progressing forward and literally just doing it. Okay, so one thing that I can say for a fact, almost a fact, because the world is crazy these days. <laughs> But in the next 90 days, it'll probably be hot as hell outside. Right. Toes will be out, shoulders will be showing. <laughs> right. Right? Can we set a goal? Yikes. As, as a team? Yikes. That you let us know what you want to create, and we'll set, a, we'll set a goal for the next 90 days to have one project off the ground. It does not need to be big. Yikes. It could be a set of three 15-second Insta story clips. Okay. And it has to happen in the next 90 days. Can we can we put that on the universe? So we're in March, April, May, June. Um, Yeah, I think I could do that. You think or you know? I mean, I don't think I have a choice because I feel like the follow-up in 90 days is going to happen. And I need to be present <laughs> with content. So are we agreeing? Um, yeah, I'll take the challenge. Okay. So you hear it here on Man Crush Mondays. <laughs> um, Alicia P. has agreed to get out of her own way. And get to that bag. Yes. Um. What about you, pimp player partner? Yeah. Carl Fergie. Wait, I I think Carl's a little tired, so let's wake his ass up. Good plot, Bumbaras. Wake his ass up. Yes, sir. <laughs> no. Um. See ways I've st- I've stood in my own way. Um. I would say. I would have a lot of the same issues, um, but mine's manifests in me trying to do too many things and it leading to getting caught up in something else. So before photography, I was uh, aspiring artists and was you know doing rhymes and all this other stuff and working with producers. And then I was like, well, I need more beats. And then I started learning to produce that. I got consumed with that. Stop writing started getting into production and chopping samples. I was like, okay, great. I have all these tracks that I've made, but they don't sound the way that I want them to because they're not mixed, and engineers were expensive. So I was like, all right, cool. I'd finished business school, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to audio engineering school just so I can learn to mix my records. Ended up becoming an audio engineer. So it was like I kept, in trying to do everything myself, I kept getting deferred from what the target was at the time. So when photography came into play, which was an accident as well, picking up the camera, and I started to get fascinated with that, I put everything with music to the side and got into it. And, I mean, for the most part, I I would say that a lot of it was fine with me doing a lot of the stuff on my own, I didn't jeopardize myself in my movement because what we were doing were like concert photography and different things like that. Like we just had to be aggressive and keep moving. But once I, my passion shifted to doing more like portrait photography, editorial work, I needed a team and I was still doing the stuff by myself and asking for help was something that I I just, I'm still struggling with. So now I think I'm getting a little bit better at accepting the help and 
relinquishing control because that's the other issue is like wanting everything to be a certain way. Right. Very, I'm very particular about everything and um, I'm aware of it. But um, I'm trying to figure out what that obsession is with having it. I mean, that's also, I think, part of being creative. I think in in my mind, I see things a certain way. And anything that takes away or deviates from it, it it, it almost sets it up for it not to be the outcome that I saw. So I, I see, like, every single thing. If the if a, a light is out of place, if the I don't have the right setting, I like, I keep feeling like that's going to change the outcome. So I, I get very controlling of wanting everything to be a certain way. So I think part of it is also trying to relinquish control, get back to just creating and just allowing the universe to just manifest whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, I can't make everything perfect. I just need to fall into enjoying what the creation process is. Crazy enough. Um, those of you that know me and know the shit that I've been going through, over the past couple of years, I've always had an issue with control. Not until my late 20s did I realize, like, yo, you can't control what people do, how they act, where they are. You just need to focus on yourself. And I believe the book was, I read a series of self-help books because it just, like, it's something I fell into. But I believe it was um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I just got that book. It's a really a good gift. book. Shout out to the person that got me that book. Yeah, the um, author himself is a little bit annoying in the way they write, but the message overall is amazing. And in the book, there was one specific thing that he spoke on. That's, it was something like um, control the controllables. Nothing ever resonated with me as much as that in a book. What was it again? Say it one more time. Control the controllables. Got it. So it was like, yo, you... Left your house 30 minutes for work, 30, min- 30 minutes early for work. You got on the train. Somebody pulled the emergency brake. You should be to work 30 minutes early, 40 minutes early, but you get to work 20 minutes late because somebody pulled the emergency brake. Me normally, I'd be like, who the fuck to who push that fucking brake? I'll be flipping my shit because I did everything I was supposed to do. Things should work out. But... It's outside of my control. Right. Right. So in terms of what Carl is saying, it's like he wanted his music to be mixed and engineered a certain way. He wanted to be able to get the beats that he wanted. So he took it all into his control. Right. But if he focused on that one specific goal or focused on that one specific craft and allowed the universe or God or karma, whatever you look towards or believe in, to, pr- to provide the rest and control the rest of the things that are outside of the scope of your control, you'll be good. Or, or the people around you. So I speak with Carl about this shit all the time. Like, yo, he called me the other day. was like, yeah, y'all was at the shoot. Pulled up. I had to set up the lights and everything by myself. And I was like, why you didn't call me? He's like, yo, man, I didn't really think. Fam, I don't like asking niggas for shit. Oh, but remember what I said the situation yeah, yeah. was I had somebody. I know. But and they flaked. Either so. way, when 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 the nigga flake, pick up the phone. Yo, bro. That's I'm, fair. I'm in the jam right now. Can you slide through? It's either yes or no. And that's another thing that I've gotten really good with. And the only reason I'm sharing this is because at one point, I was a lost cause. <laughs> I, it takes a lot to admit that shit. I was a lost fucking cause. There was nothing that could save me from 
not responding to someone telling me no the wrong way and to me not losing my shit when I did everything right and the thing and manner still didn't work out in my favor. What's no the wrong way? What do you mean? What do you mean by no? You said no the wrong way. He didn't. He just, uh, I let him. Just like, I didn't take no, I don't take wo- no well. I didn't take no well for a very long Got time. Got it. At all. So any no was the wrong way. Facts. Got it. For a very long time. And I had to grow up. I had to grow up. I had to look at situations and go, all right. My homeboy, I'll give you, I'll give you an Apple example. Homeboy then came in here and got four, five, six, seven Macs. Homeboy then came in here and asked me for discount on home, AirPods. Homeboy then came in here and asked for photos or video or something. And I never tell niggas no. So now I might be like, yo, bro, I need you to help me with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I'll never ask you for something that's going to put you out of your way. Yeah. Or something that's going to cost you. Well, you think. I think. You're going to assume, yes. Right. Right? Yes. So, in my mind, it's like everything you ask for, you always get a yes. If yeah. I ask you for something small. Should, and what you think is small. No, right. no, no. Like, yeah, but it's what, again, that's your perception right. of what exactly. small is. You know? Exactly. And we've been having this conversation, yes. not to deviate from it, because as, as I, you know, you, we said several times, I'm, I'm in therapy and whatever, just learning about the relationships you have and the idea that, the relationship is only the way you perceive it. It's not, the other person is not responsible for seeing that relationship the same way. You do, which so, is one of the hardest things to ever do. And that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Conversation, another, another that one. Is deep. Yeah. But like, I get, right. I get your, your, your battle with the no and the controllable thing for me, looking at the scenario, I'm looking at the scenario the way that you did, where it's like, this person was supposed to, show up to be my assistant and hit me after the fact. But because I know what I'm doing, I think everything happens for a reason. And I'm just like, okay, cool. I go ahead and I just put everything together because I'm there. It requires less. And because I already put myself out there to depend on somebody and they drop the ball nine out of 10 times, I'm not going to put myself in a situation to put myself out again within that within that time period because now I'm like my shoot is depending on it getting done right so I was looking at it more like okay this happened cool I'm gonna take it on and just knock it out because I can um especially because the person that was coming I was doing the same thing like reaching out to get help knowing I could do it but trying to not take all of it on the way I used to usually do it and it was like this person just dropped the ball. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go back to my usual way of doing it. So, But I'm learning other ways. I know that scenario, I don't think I could have gotten you there in time for how late he was. But um, I am working on trying to be better at asking for help. Um, yeah. So seeing that the obstacle that's in your way is not something that you've completely overcome yet. What's the what's the action plan? What's the what's the plan? Because you know, as long as I'm in your life, I'm gonna challenge you on that shit. You know I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean the action plan is I've I have been um reaching out more for help. Um uh, I've owned it more. The fact that I'll I'll look at scenarios after they're done and, and weigh out what I did wrong, um and how I could have avoided being in a position of taking on all of the burden by myself. Um, so that's that's really the only thing that I can do is just keep taking steps to 
change that until I normalize asking for help until it's no longer a barrier for me. Um, there's a part of overcoming feeling like you can't, you're admitting that you can't do something by asking for help. And that was why I was asking Alicia earlier, because I know what mine are. Mine don't, I don't even know that mine have anything to do with my parents. It's just a matter of feeling like I care too much about what some people might think if I don't make it or I don't, or it doesn't have a positive outcome. And I've been working on that because at the end of the day, the only person that should really matter to is me. Boom. I personally think that I think the black community as a whole, not to make this a general deeper conversation, but sounds like a general deeper conversation. I, right. I, I do think the black community as a whole has just a very hard time with asking for help because help in a sense equates to weakness, um, which is part of the problem. Um, if you, especially being a black man, if you're asking for help, there's a sense of you can't do it. You can't get it done. And that stigma kind of hangs over our head like a dark cloud, um, which causes us not to want to get things done because then doing it yourself can become overbearing. Right. So we put ourselves in this place where it's like, I'm not going to ask for help because one, we don't want to hear the no Two, we don't want to look weak. So then we try to do it ourselves, but because we are so overwhelmed with the workload or, or, you know, just frazzled by how much it's going to take to actually get it done. We just don't do it at all. So the bigger problem is really solving that. Like, why do we equate help with weakness? How can we fix that? That's really the conversation. How can we remove that stigma of if I ask for help, I'm I'm not weak. Like we have to we have to figure out how to switch that mentality. Facts. Um, like I said, I've I've dealt with that. Like I, I dealt with that for a very Everybody long does. time. And I think at this point I've gotten over it. I think at this point I've hit a, a I've hit a stride where I'm like, yo, either I'm gonna ask for help. I'm going to try to figure it out on my own. If I try to figure it out on my own, it's going to take a long-ass time. Do I have that time? I probably don't. So I'm going to ask niggas for help. And the worst-case scenario is is niggas going to say no. And if they say no, guess what? Then I got another option. And we need to be okay with a no because sometimes that no is a blessing in disguise. Right. Maybe a better yes is coming. And that's what I've, what you call it, come to terms with. Like now... I yo, I ask people for help all the time. Yeah. I hit one of the homies the other day and I saw something that they worked on. I was like, yo, I need to understand your technique for this. <laughs> Nigga ghosted me. Two years ago, I would have took it personal as shit. Well, I understand <laughs> why he may have ghosted you. I'm not I'm keeping it all the way a thousand. Because that can come off depending I, I don't know exactly what your 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 language was but if that was your language i can see how he may have been like nah not going to give you the technique which is selfish the only way other people sh- not the only way one way to assist growth into our community especially with creative creatives is to share share ideas share techniques and make them your own. That That's what being creative is about. Nothing is original. Everything was recycled over and over and over. I can, un- just playing devil's advocate, I can understand where he may have come from with that. 
But if he was a real nigga, he could have just kept it funky with you and not ghosted you. Either way, I felt the way for about 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You're going to let it go. All right. I'm going to figure this shit out on my own. God bless. It is what it is. So seeing that we got down to the bottom of Carl's um, obstacle in his way. So in the next 90 days, what do we see as your um, method of solving? Uh, so my solve, honestly, has been to, in the next 90 days, since that's what we're doing. That's is, healthy. Is um, asking for help with different, um, just different tasks in, in, in photography to push what I already know. So, um, like tomorrow, I'm supposed to meet up with my boy Dennis. He goes by Denice on I um, I know him. on IG. I know him. He popular. And, and um, <laughs> you know, Dennis is another person I've known since music. We both used to do music, and then ended up in photography. So I've known him forever, and um, I I want to just kind of get more familiar with the medium format film cameras and stuff. So I've I've done it. Took breaks and but he's been consistently doing it. So tomorrow we're supposed to meet up at the studio space that I have, and then we're gonna go around the uh, Lower East Side and kind of shoot off some one twenty film. And then um, my other partner with the studio, I'm supposed to sit with him and and kind of go over some lighting techniques. So I've reached out to them and asked them for this. So it's what I'm gonna start doing more often, which is reaching out to my own peers and and trying to get. Yes, Lord. As much, um, just as much, uh, just being poured into. Because that's something that I've always mentioned, how we pour into other people and, and expect things. and um, We don't pour into we, ourselves. We don't pour into ourselves, and we don't ask to be poured into. Like We can't keep producing anything to give to anyone without having that replenishment. So for the next 90 days, that's my thing, is to try to f- see how many of the people in my network I can reach out to and and ask for them to share some of what they know. <laughs> Clap it up for that man. <laughs> I like that. I guess I'm I guess I'm the golden goose, right? I'm the last one. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Yet yeah. to speak. Tell us uh, what's what's what obstacles. Uh, in your so way. and with the risk of sounding cocky as shit. That's fine. I get told that all the time. Tokyo-ish, boy. Um, one of my biggest obstacles in life was that I was not fully like um, chasing my dream, which was music, right? The only reason I picked up a camera was because around 2007, 2008, I came to the realization that I wasn't making enough money with my responsibilities to pay bills and afford studio time. I came up on a good financial aid check and was like, Talk about it. Yo, yeah. This is enough to get a camera, though. I learned that in high school, and that's how I picked up my first camera. What year is this? 2008. God so bless. 11 years 11 years forward, I done recorded several songs, was never really happy with any of them. I never really took the music thing seriously after that point. That was the same kind of hobby that photography was until it wasn't. Photography wasn't a hobby. It didn't become a job until I got laid off. My girl left me. I ran through $12,000 in um, severance and savings over the course of 90 days because I was living like I still had money coming in. And now I'm just like, oh, shit. Shout out to Pete. 
um, play a partner that hasn't been on an episode in quite a while. Yes, that was Shade. But um, shout out to Pete for calling me one day and to be like, nigga, you have a job in your backpack. Mm. Pick up that camera and figure it out. And I'm like, but bro, I don't even understand. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Oh, all right. Meet me at 59th in Columbus. And he bought me a book that pretty much helped me grasp the greater understanding of photography in the digital age because I understood film. Right. But when film disappeared, nigga, what am I supposed to do with this memory card? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, Photoshop? You open that shit up and that shit sound, it looked like a transformer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, to get back on track. Shout out to Pete for that, though. Facts. Um, To get back on track, uh, it was 11 years before I said, yo, I'm about to turn 32. I've been screaming since 2005 that I was going to put out a mixtape. And... <laughs> Recorded several songs, songs that people that are near and dear to me know and they love. Like my boys still call me from time to time and some of my homegirls call me singing lyrics to songs I wrote when I was in high school. And they're like, yo, stop playing, put out this music, stop playing, put out this music. And shout out to my boy Q. He was like, yo, I started rapping in 2015 and put out a mixtape before you put out yours. Ten years after you said you would put yours out. Don't let me put out my second one before you. Right. Like, all right. So I always said I was going to do it, and I had a shitload of songs, and I went into the studio like with the same intent that I always had when I went into the studio. Like, yo, I'm going to just record this track, and I'm going to record these joints for this project that I've been working on for 15 years. And lo and behold, it came out with um Weekends, mm-hmm. which is a track off my EP. I was like, yo, this shit is a type of height. Then I recorded um Ghosted. I was like, yo, this shit might actually make sense mm-hmm. with some of the other songs I have. Yeah. Right. So then I went back in my iPod. That's how long ago it was. Went back in my iPod, played two old songs. No, one old song. Then uh, Weekends. Then Ghosted. I was like, oh, shit, this is a full story. Five song fucking story. Now, if I don't put this out. I felt like I would be telling God or the universe, like, yo, fuck out of here, my nigga. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you ain't just wrap this shit up and put it, put a bow on it and drop it in my lap. And I'm like, nah. Right. So I did what I was petrified to do. And the reason why I was so afraid of dropping the music wasn't because I didn't think that I couldn't get it done. But my fear lied in my music or my uh, my approach or my attempts not being adequate enough for the people that would listen. Mm. The biggest fear that I have in life and in death is that when I'm gone, no one will show up to my funeral. Mm. Right? And that sounds crazy. It's like, nigga, you're alive. Why are you worried about your right. funeral? Yeah. But I, I get that, though. The, the, the greatest, sh- the greatest um, sign of your reach in life is how many people come out to pay their respects in your death. Right. That's the way I see it. So it's like, fam, if I put my if I put fifteen hundred dollars into this five song EP or two thousand dollars into this five song EP, and I can't even get two hundred niggas to listen when it's free, damn, I might not never want to sing in the shower again. <laughs> <laughs> like I might not never want to hit a Luther Vandross joint at the barbecue again when I'm with my mommies and my aunties. So I, I went against the fear and I, and I released it. Um, three out of the five songs currently are over 220 plays. Look at that. Nice. Um, 
I was hoping for a better like metrics. Hey. hey. But you know what it's telling me? It's telling me that people that don't even know me are DMing me on Instagram on my photography page like fam. I had to find your account. This shit is fire. Right. It's like, why? Hold on, hold on. This is it's like Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> like like I'm living that. So that was one of the biggest obstacles that I've um had and I felt like I got out I got it out the way. Now I'm in my bag. I've already started recording the second part of the EP. Amen. Um not recording but writing <laughs> but writing yeah. writing the second part of the EP. Right. I've got 3 out of the 5 songs already mm-hmm. even though I'm not planning on releasing this until after August of this year. And we're in March. But um, I will say an obstacle that I have in the moment is similar to what Carl's is. And it's just like asking for help. I think that's everybody. It's like asking for help in, in, in a different way, though. It's like I won't ever, like I, I have, I, as long as I can remember, I, I don't think I've ever asked anyone I know to borrow money. Like I know Carl what five six years now, I ain't never asked Carl about me a soda. Right, like yeah. I've never asked anybody like, yo, can you come pick me up? Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, yo, what you need? Exactly. Yo, how can I help? I feel you. Like b- before I even really knew Leash like that, she's like, oh shit, you work at the Apple Store. I was like, what you need? I got you. Yep. This is like three four five years now. Mm-hmm. What you need? I got you. Mm-hmm. So. Now there are you moments you bother me so much about what I need about what I can just anything right and so I'm just like I gotta take him up for that and now I'm at a point where it's like I don't think I need money from anybody I don't think I need anybody to pick me up I don't think I need anybody to give me anything physically but their time and their attention mm. right the the one of the greatest tools that we have in this current digital age is the tool that's like built within and that's support. Think about that, right? Yes. Um, in the in a photography space that I'm in, I work with a lot of influencers, right? Micro, nano, like giant influencers, people with hundred thousand, two hundred thousand followers, and these people make a living, literally a living, based off of their ability to incite people's desire to respond mm-hmm. to their messages or to incite people's um, ability to get up and go and buy a shirt or some popcorn right. or some hair grease or some skin cream. Literally. So it's like, look, I don't want niggas to buy shit. Double tap on my pictures, fam. Tell your friends that I take pictures. Matter of fact, come out and have lunch. Let's, let's, let's brainstorm. What's on your heart so I can tell you what's on mine. Let's hug it out. That's all I need. I think you said something. Um, okay, so you said something about 200 listens, and you said, I wish it was more. When, I, when we started our podcast, we literally had no idea what the response would be at all whatsoever. We didn't even want to do the podcast. We didn't even think our name was good. We didn't think five people would want to listen to five people on a microphone. We didn't think it was going to be unique at all, right? We recorded four episodes. We put all four episodes out December 22nd, 2016. It was just like, let's hope for the best. See how many plays we could get. 
the response was so overwhelming. So many outlets picked it up. So many people retweeted and DM'd us and tweeted us. Personal friends text us. People that we worked with responded to us. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in the number of 200 or likes or like whatever the case may be. Sometimes we have to scale back and just remember how powerful our content that we can create that we have is good enough to propel forward. Like we can't keep hoping like, Dag, I wish I had more listens. No, it will come. And I'm not saying that your your thought process is incorrect, but just pivot just a little bit. That's 200 people that heard your your content. The quality of those 200 people is what matters, not the quantity. Facts. So you could have had five very important people listen to that in the 200, and that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? That's a because fact. that's what the word of mouth is about. Those five important people. Not saying that the other 195 aren't relevant, but you don't know who's listening. So I say all that to say, don't worry about the content not making its reach. In due time, that will come. Like, we're still not at the numbers that we thought we would be at this time, but we're getting all the right attention that we want. You get what I'm saying? I do. So keep creating. Like, just keep putting the stuff out that feels good. Just keep doing what makes you feel good, what you think that people need to hear or see. And don't worry about those numbers. Fuck those numbers. Like, do it for you. The people will come. The supporters will come. They will DM you. They will tweet you. They will support you. They will repost. They will retweet. They will let their friends know. Like, it's just going to happen because if the content is good, they're going to support it. And that's just period. And that's part of the other thing with that. You know, I'm not to go off on my, um, I crusade it, speak about it all the time. I have an IG page. I hate social media. I will say it here. I hate social media because I come from an era where people did what they did and they enjoyed it, and the response was all real. Right. When you're looking at every multiple hours a day, likes, numbers, who's like it devalues the enjoyment and what it is you're supposed to be doing. Because now instead of you having your personal fulfillment, your fulfillment is based on whether or not somebody liked it. And you know people are looking at it. Right. They just might not be liking it. So. It's not even a real judge as to how many eyes are looking at what your work is or how many people are actually engaging in it. It's just based on a like, which, again, we were talking about how so many different platforms have come and they've changed people's lives. But that that for me is the one thing that I, I try to speak about a lot, because as, as creatives, we're so sensitive. We're so sensitive to what we put out there and the responses that we get. It is it is like a cancer to be so affected by what social media and the numbers are. It, it, it really takes away from the fact that we are creating what we, we want and we believe in our hearts. So for that to be reduced to posting it at 11 at night and getting only 100 likes right. versus they were like, oh, no, you got to only post it. Why would I post at 10 a.m.? I want to post right now. Why do you have? Why would you, if you finished your song and you had your EP and you're like, you know what, I want to drop this at midnight, you should just be able to drop it at midnight and not have to worry about analytics. whether or not. And yeah, analytics, because like, and I get it. Yes, you can really get obsessive about every single piece of 
what the numbers are and what have you. But even hearing you as my boy and knowing how passionate you are about what you're doing, to hear that you're like, well, 200-something listens and I wish it was more. Like, nah, what you felt at the listening, that's real. The way you felt there, right. like, I could see that the emotion there. Those are real people in that room. And it was only about 30, 40 people in that room, maybe. You know, and then none of us was like, it wasn't IG likes. We were in there supporting our boy. Like, so what you felt there is what I'm an advocate for. More so, more so than I don't care who's following me, where, who's following what, how many likes you get. Nothing replaces that feeling. I could see it in your fate. Like, damn, all my people came out here. Like, yeah. that's the genuine thing. And as an artist, that's what you really want because you you, you you still question it. Even when you finish the EP, you're like, I wonder if... And, and you saw everybody came out and it was it was real. It wasn't like pretend. Like, nah, man, we're proud of you for putting this out. And there's no amount of likes. You could have got a thousand likes and it, it wouldn't amount to what you felt in that room with us being there and just being like, yo, we're here. What do you need from us? We want to make sure that we let you know that we love you and we like what you put together here. So, You said something else that was really important. Um, you talked about, you know, wishing that you asked for help sooner because you'd be able to possibly get a campaign on your own earlier, right? So right. when we were at, when I keep saying we, but Black Girl Podcast did a, show down in Atlanta where we spoke to the cast of Boomerang and I believe Safira and Brittany Inge, who's one of the actresses off of the show, mentioned not to timeline yourself out of a blessing. So sometimes we say, man, I really wish that five years ago I would have been capable of shooting this camera the way that I'm shooting it now. Or I wish I would have done this better. Or I wish I would have done that. Or I'm about to be 32 and I still haven't done that. It's just not your time yet. And that's okay. I do that. I'm talking to y'all, but I'm also talking to myself. I am numero uno person in the world that's always living in the past or the future and not in the moment. So I know what it's like to, to think, Dag, I wish I'd have done this sooner. Or... Dag, I wonder what happens in five years if I don't do the X, Y, Z. No, live in the moment, be present. Don't worry about your age. Like, don't think that because you're about to be 32, time is running out. One thing that Gary V continuously says is that we have so much life to give and we have to stop thinking that because we're 32, we're on the brink of dying. No. Or losing creativity. No. It is still there. Just fucking do it. If it doesn't come out good, do it again. If it's not what you thought it was going to be, do it again. It might be amazing the first time around because you had it in your mind for so long and you know exactly how you want to get it done. So just do it. We have to stop thinking that because we're 30 or 32 or 40 or 50 or whatever the case may be, that we completely just lose our greatness. No, millionaires were made in their 30s, bro. A lot of them, a lot of our favorite millionaires, let me say that, were made in their th in our in their 30s. And we have to just get to a point where we're just comfortable with knowing that age is has nothing to do with the time that 
allows you to be great, if that makes sense. It does. And something that I go back and forth with myself over a lot is after having thoughts like that, I typically talk myself down off of that quote unquote ledge. Right. And I tell myself, you know what? God laughs at our plans. Yeah. God is he never does. late. All He's the time. always Back. on time. Say that one more time for the people in the back. Right. God laughs at our plans, but he's never late. He's always on time. Literally. So I'm grateful. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a little, I was once a pissy-ass little boy from Washington Avenue in the Bronx getting into all types of trouble, and it was a big possibility that I wouldn't even be here. So to look at where I was, Back at we back now. at thirteen, fourteen to where I am now, it's it's eternally a blessing. So let me tell you, I was a twenty five year old intern at Hot ninety seven. Twenty five. Do you know how embarrassing it felt initially to be a twenty five year old intern amongst twenty year olds? Excuse me. Let me even backtrack. I was a twenty five year old Rutgers student living on campus when eighteen year olds were coming in. I know that doesn't being 32 now, that doesn't seem too far off, but just let's backtrack and feel like what 25 feels like being on campus with 18 and 19 year olds. Right. If I let all of that get to me, I wouldn't know either one of y'all. Right. I, I would not know Carl. I would not know Joe. I would be a secondary education teacher in Orange, New Jersey, and I would not even know what this world of podcasting, what this world of film and photography would be like because I would have set myself up for failure because I'm thinking age is what's defining me. Literally, 25 years old at Hot 97. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to do, but one of the best things that I ever did. Because look at you now. (laughs) And I still have so much more to go. And I mean, the other part of of what I think is an issue with where you you, or all of us are running into is that and where I'm I'm finally at and a lot of my mentors used to tell me is there's a there's a misconception that failure is not as good as the success. And it's part of the recipe. Yeah. You you a 99 failures before you get to the first success. Like failure is part of. The six is part of the success. You can't succeed without that. So it, the opposite of failing is to sit on you just to sit down and not do anything. So if you don't continue to challenge yourself, fall, you okay, take notes. What happened there? You come back. I mean, those are the stepping those are the stepping stones to get to the point of where you're successful in whatever endeavor it is. So there's that part of trying to get around the idea that failing is a negative because every time you do, as long as you don't fall and sit there and just kind of throw your hands up, you're getting then one step closer to where you want to reach each time you fail. It's they're just stepping blocks. I have been saying this for quite some time. Um, Again, I'm saying this to y'all, but it's for me as well. A loss is actually a lesson. So whatever L that you think that you took, that you're taking, it's actually a lesson that's going to help you get better. So take that L, learn from it, all the things you could have done better, all the things you know you did right, 
and apply that to the next situation and the next L and the next success or whatever the case may be. Just keep taking that with you because we're all going to fail. One day you might shoot some content. It'll be amazing content. And you forgot to hit record or you accidentally format the card and you got to shoot it again. (laughs) And it's happened to the best of us. The best of us, I'm sure. I'm sure Steven Spielberg fucked some shit up at one point in his life. You know what I'm saying? But he still maintained that mentality of, I'm still going to get it done. Right. So and we just have to remember that. So with that being said, um, this episode's takeaways are, <laughs> a loss is only a loss if you don't learn from it. Absolutely. So... In order to get out of our own ways, we're gonna stop taking losses and start making lessons. Correct. Right. Um fuck fear. Right. Second one. Fuck fear is the second one. Three is Ask for help. Right. Ask for help. Don't be too don't be too proud. Nobody likes a proud nigga. Um and number four, the most important, the most important of the lessons is rely on your resources. Ask for help. Use your, like, no, not just ask for help, but use your people, right? Like, you ain't got to ask me for shit, nigga. Pick up the phone and just be like, yo, bro, I had a rough day. That's or, yo, fair. bro, you, I see you shot some content. Teach and me. that's some shit that I've been looking to get into. Let's talk about what your ins- inspiration was. Or let me come sit and let me come assist you. I tell, I tell Carl that shit all the time. Let me come assist you. Or, yo, what's good, fam? Let's go, let's go to, um lighthouse and get some food let's talk it out right just just to bounce ideas off of one another shout out, to lighthouse. shout out to the jerk salmon i would like to add that the fifth one is just do it just do it like nike all right so with that being said we'd like to thank you all for tuning in to episode 27 of Man Crush Monday's podcast. We'd also like to give a big round of applause to our guest and friend, Alicia P. of Black Girl Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, now, we do have some um, housekeeping to, to take care of. Uh-oh. And that is making sure that you guys all know where you can find us oh. on social media. Since we have a guest, I'll allow Alicia to leave you with her social media handle. <laughs> Instagram at Alicia P. That's A L Y S H A P. Twitter is Alicia P. 819. And K. Uh, on all platforms, it's Carl Ferguson Jr., K A R L F E R G U S O N J R. And um, yeah, that's Instagram, Twitter, all everything. All the Go next. <laughs> MySpace, Black. Black Planet. No. Christian Mingle. <laughs> Christian hey. Mingle, blackpeoplemeet.com. And my social media is Joe underscore Chia. So J-O-E underscore C-H-E-A. And for those of you that have not already taken the initiative to do so, make sure you follow the podcast on social media, which is the MCM pod, P-O-D. So the T-H-E M-C-M pod pod thank you all for listening and carl and i would like to tell you to keep your eyes open for something very special coming towards the end of the month but until next time this man crush mondays this is african ass joe oh my god (laughs) wow
Yeah, this is Bronx Jamaican Carl. You know, we don't know. And Haitian Jersey Leash from Back Girl Pod. I just gave you the crickets while well, steak. My bad. So rude. I hate it. I hate them both. And this has been Man Crush Mondays, man. Thank you all for listening. And without further ado, we out. 